Today on Ag News Daily. Today, we sold December 23. When corn was down 10 cents, there was a very, very large buyer. In December 23, it traded as high as up 8 cents. It traded 530. And if this bull market comes to an end, Good afternoon and welcome to another Market Monday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. And this installment of the podcast is brought to you by Zyway Brand Fungicides by FMC. And we'll talk a little bit more about Zyway later on this week. But in the meantime, Delaney, we have some catching up to do. So how was your weekend? How's your Monday? Tell me all the details. I am, as you guys can probably hear, on the road. I am not driving while we're recording the podcast. I'll just put that out there. I'm parked at a Casey's parking lot. For whatever reason, people here are crazy. They're honking at each other. It's just a booming hour, I guess, at this time of day on a Monday. I'm not really sure. But I'm pulled over, uh, recorded the podcast with you today. We're going to talk to Tommy Grizafi here coming up to chat markets. I've been at one of my clients this morning on the road to drive to another client meeting this afternoon back in Des Moines. So my day has been hectic and I have not looked at a ton of news. I'm going to fully admit that now to our listeners and you. Well, luckily at Delaney, there wasn't a whole lot in the news wires today anyways. So I think that we'll make it just fine. But one thing that I did want to talk about to kick things off here was weather. And we're going to talk more about weather on Friday or later on this week with Eric Snodgrass. But it was brought to my attention that in northern Minnesota, a wind chill warning is in effect as it's expected to drop to as low as negative 45 degrees. And I thought that that was absolutely insane. And it was also said by the National Weather Service that this wind chill could cause frostbite on exposed skin in as little as 10 minutes. And here I am walking outside this morning barefoot in shorts to let my dog out to go to the bathroom. So I can't imagine the pet owners or, you know, people who work outside with livestock in the fields, whatever, doing their work this week. Yeah, this is not the time of year to wear shorts, Ashton. And I do not understand when I see like high school or middle school age students, college students wearing shorts. I, I do not understand. You will literally freeze your legs off. The other day when it was snowing down here, I had gone to the grocery store just to grab a quick couple of things before the roads iced over. And there was a man there in flip-flops and shorts. And I was like, dude, you're not going to have 10 toes when you get home. No, absolutely not. That's really cold. I'm glad we're going to get an update too from Eric. It's been a little while since we've chatted weather with him because I know there's a lot to talk about here in the United States as well as South America. But speaking of South America, Ashton, Reuters reported today that Brazilian pork exports for the year of 2021 rose by 11% in volume to an annual record. According to the Brazilian Association of Animal Protein, which they said offsets the impact of higher costs with stronger demand in foreign markets, including, of course, China. But Brazil, also is a big export player in the hog market, said they exported about 1.13 million tons of pork last year, which does top their previous record. So we saw a lot of influx both in imports and exports in the country of Brazil. And, you know, I don't remember who I was talking to. It might have been Blaine, actually, but or a farmer I met at a speech, somebody mentioned to me, you know, like they think it's crazy how much 
we import and export not only here in the United States, but other countries because, you know, Brazil probably could theoretically produce enough pork to support their system, yet they're exporting so much of it and they're importing it so much at the same time. But there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't understand from a geopolitical standpoint, from a diplomatic standpoint. There's a lot of other cards, I think, that fall. But it is kind of funny to think like, well, we probably could technically support all of the needs we have for X, especially here in the United States. Yet, why are we importing and exporting our product? I don't know. Just a funny thing to think through. Well, Delaney, while we're on the topic of import-export news, I did want to mention that China and the Philippines have both suspended imports of Canadian beef due to Canada's detection back in December of a cow that was infected with BSE. So I think that this is a move that we might have suspected just because of that positive BSE case, but That's really all that I have about that. But I do have another piece of Chinese news today that I wanted to bring to your attention. The U.S. DOJ announced that a Chinese national and former employee of Monsanto has pleaded guilty to attempting to seal trade secrets of the company. Xing Haito pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit economic espionage. According to court documents, this man conspired to steal a trade secret from Monsanto for the purpose of benefiting a foreign government, namely the People's Republic of China. And I am a little bit of a gossip, Delaney. I like hearing about the drama of it all, so I'll kind of go through this a little bit. But in June of 2017, the day after leaving employment with Monsanto and the Climate Corporation where Jing was employed, he attempted to travel to China on a one-way airplane ticket. And while he was waiting to board his flight, federal officials conducted a search of his person and baggage. Investigators later determined that one of Zhang's electronic devices contained copies of the nutrient optimizer. Zhang continued on to China, where he worked for the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of Soil Science. He was arrested when he returned to the United States. So this has been ongoing for quite some time now, and we're finally getting to the end of this. He is facing a maximum penalty of 15 years in prison, a potential fine of $5 million and a term of supervised release of not more than three years here. So quite the sentencing, if you ask me. Yeah, that certainly sounds that way. I kind of like watching these court cases as well. So I'm glad you brought this one up. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Well, Ashton, like I mentioned, I didn't look at a ton of news today, but I did read this story here quickly talking about fertilizer prices. And according to the American Farm Bureau Federation, This end, there is no end in sight initially is the headline here to higher fertilizer prices. And it's really interesting here. The 2008, 2009 price spike lasted about 18 to 24 months. And so while they're not quite raising that red flag yet, saying it's going to last that long, there certainly isn't anything telling us that 
there's a need or a reason for fertilizer prices to plateau. So at this point, unfortunately, it does sound like fertilizer prices are full steam ahead. You know, Delaney, I read that as well. And another thing that, of course, we've been paying attention to, other than fertilizer going into 2022, is farmland values. And we've seen some new information come from, you know, Purdue's Ag Economy Barometer. And Jim Minart, who is the director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, said that farmers are looking at the tremendous increase in values that have already taken place in the last 12 months, and then asking themselves, how much higher can farmland go? The short-term farmland value expectation index declined to 153, and the long-term index fell to 152. Although both of these indexes declined, they remain near all-time highs. So the question still kind of remains on what we're going to see going into 2022 when it comes to farmland values. Is this decline going to come down even more? Are we going to plateau? Are we going to see an even higher rise than we saw in the past year? I think that there's a lot that we can anticipate this year. And to be honest, I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah, there certainly is a lot of moving pieces this year when it comes to farmland prices. But one thing we don't have to wait any longer for are where commodity prices left us for today. And Ashton, since I'm on the road today, I'm going to let you tackle them. Well, Delaney, we didn't have great news here in the grain markets today. So just going to jump head first into it here with the corn contract. The March down seven cents to close at five at 99 and three quarters. The May down six and a half to close at 601 and a quarter. In soybeans, the March contract down 25 and a half cents to close at 13.84 and three quarters. The November 22 contract down 21 and a quarter to close at 1300 and a half. Heading over into the wheat, hard red winter wheat, the March contract up three and a quarter cents to close at 7.78 and a quarter the May contract up two and a quarter cents close at seven seventy eight and a quarter. Kicking things over to livestock red across the screen here in live cattle the February contract down a dollar oh seven and a half to close at one thirty six twenty five. The April down a dollar forty seven and a half to close at one forty fifty seven and a half. In feeder cattle, the March contract down a dollar thirty-two and a half to close at one sixty-five thirty-five. The April down a dollar forty-two and a half to close at one sixty-nine forty-five. In lean hogs, the February contract down a dollar twenty-seven and a half to close at seventy-eight thirty-seven and a half. The April down two dollars sixty-five cents to close at eighty-four seventy. Closing things out here with our class three dairy milk futures. The February contract up 17 cents to close at 21.60. The March closing 32 cents higher at 21.56. With that, let's kick it over to our Market Monday conversation with Tommy Grisafi. Well, folks on the podcast today, we're chatting with Tommy Grisafi a broker with Advanced Trading Inc. Tommy, thanks for joining us today. How are we doing, ladies? We are certainly excited to have you. You are one of my favorite market analysts to have on because you just have a lot of thoughts when it comes to the markets. And I know from experience, you are answering calls from clients all day long, 
And you got a lot of insight about a lot of different areas, not just up there in North Dakota where you're living, but all over the Corn Belt. So I want to pick your brain today on a couple of different things, Tommy. The first of which, let's just go ahead and get the report out of the way. Do we think this week's report is going to be a market mover? Are they going to adjust production numbers? I think it's the big question. Uh, they are the USDA. They're the federal government and they can do anything <laughs> they want. I think we should be prepared for a move either direction. That is spoken like a perfect analyst response. We may go up, we may go down. We got a couple of things going on. We're we're at higher levels than normal. So old crop beans are at 14. Old crop corn has a six in front of it. Those are historically great levels. But with that, we're in a very high inflation period where we can still keep going. So I have some guys who still want some upside and, and bull markets usually last well, a year, year and a half in commodities. And we're every bit into that year and a half cycle. So you start, you think you might need to turn your head around a little bit and get a little more defensive. A couple other things about this report, regardless of what way we move. And I'm, I'm real confident we'll move on this is that, the farmer doesn't have crop insurance yet. So here we come into like a Jan 12th, Jan 15th time period. And we're going to need till the middle of February to know where our spring crop insurance level is. And, and, and that'll help guys and gals take off risk. So the risk in this report, if you're holding a lot of old crop, your risk is we go down. If you sold all your old crop, you're going to be a little bummed if we rally. I mean, could beans pop 75 cents on this? Absolutely. We sold off 30 today. We can go down a few more 30s. And next thing you know, we could get it all back in, in a few days. But most people I work with are definitely moving to the side. And it took today's down day due to weather or just overall risk off in the markets for farmers to call me and say, hey, I'm ready to do something for 2022. So I guess the question I would throw back to the farmer listening or the client, if you didn't know there was a report, aren't these great prices and shouldn't you do something? Don't do something because there's a United States government report, which over last year, we've had more bullish ones than bearish ones. Do something because it's the right thing to do and you're protecting millions of dollars of uh, potential income and you'd like to keep most of that. So that's my long-winded answer. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Tommy, to be fair, I'd like to think that we have some more advanced trader type of farmers that listen to the podcast. And, you know, some people may day trade that listen to the podcast as well. If people are looking to trade this week's report, how should they, what position should they be squared up here heading into the report? Should we be long the report? Should we be short the report? I tend to like to go into reports neutral. And this is why, first of all, to you day traders out there, to you savvy <laughs> day traders, listen to this podcast. I hope you own a seat at the board or lease a seat at the board in Merck. You don't need a broker to be a day trader. And your commission should be around that dollar in, dollar out type of uh, commission, maybe $2. So if you're, if you're day trading and paying huge commission, uh, you, need, you need help. So if you're truly a day trader, the risk sometimes before these reports that we sell off or, or rally right before them is interesting. And what you can do 
as a day trader, not as a farmer marketer. Is there some short, short, op- short dated options you can do weekly options? And there's some, I mean, obviously you could just trade futures too, but if you truly want to control your risk with an options play, there's some things you can do. And people look at, at the weeklies and the, you know, the option that I like the most for this report is the March option because it expires pretty soon. It'll expire here. Well, it's got another, it's got another month of time. There's some February options too. So take a look at Feb options. Take a look at Mark. March options. March options will have the uh, most liquidity. Obviously, the the weeklies and your Febs will get your biggest bang for your buck. So, to give you an example, me personally today, we sold off pretty hard and uh, honk back at those people. I just honked <laughs> at you. That's rude. Um, I just go road rage on the show. the The Feb options corn sold off pretty hard, and I bought some Feb sixes. I think I paid. I got luck behind me. I forget. I think I paid seven cents or something for some Feb sixes. And by the end of the day, they were eight or nine cents as, as a trader and someone who owns a seat at the board. You could, you could flip things like that for two cents for the farmer. What's going to hurt your farm isn't a two cent move. It, what's going to hurt your farm is a $2 move. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, we could have that in beans over the next year. Uh, we could have that in corn, a $2 move. That'd be pretty pretty crazy to go from $6 corn to four, but from crop to crop, from old crop, we could be six in, in a year. We could be four. It would be, it would be interesting. It would put some people uh, back a little. So you got to ask yourself, like you're saying, Hey, this isn't just all farmer marketing people listening. There's some people who like to get in, in and out. When I worked at a company called Iowa grain, the owner used to say, USDA reports are best to go into flat. And then you want to trade with the guy or gal who screwed up. You don't want to be the guy or gal screwed up. So for example, if you're bullish and you go into it long and we go limit down, imagine if, if your powder was dry and we go limit down and you go, holy cow, I can't believe they're letting me buy beans down a dollar and corn down 35 cents or synthetically even lower than that if we lock. And those are the trades that, that seem to pay off. So if you have a long-term trend or something you like, uh, we usually trade both sides on the report. We usually trade up and down before it or during it quickly with the high frequency traders. So my advice is keep your powder dry and then really think about the position you'd like on for the next few weeks or months. And then maybe you get a chance to get that. If you don't, hey, you live to play another day. Your powder's still dry and, and maybe you go dabble in Bitcoin or something. That's broke uh, $30,000 a coin. Yeah, no kidding. So there's That's all crazy. types of ways to take risk. I would assume most people listening to this are are good old fashioned American farmers from the great state of Iowa and other states. And their their risk is that the market that they paid a lot for fertilizer and the market yeah. sell off the next year. That would really hurt. That'd be an ouchie. Well, and that's, I think, what a lot of folks are still struggling with, because, I mean, I get a lot of news services. We talk to a lot of brokers. Tommy, I have not seen a ton of folks issuing sell signals for 2022 new crop corn or soybeans, really. And I think that's a little scary. You know, we farm, so we're watching the numbers. This year's this year's input is just so different from really any other year we've had that I feel like folks, especially on the corn side of things, are getting nervous. Like, when should we be selling new crop corn when a lot of these brokers and services haven't issued a lot of signals yet? But I know I've got a way higher break-even cost this year for my cost of production when it comes to my corn acres. What are you advising guys do right now? Well, if you're waiting for a broker or a market analyst to run your company, you 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 maybe shouldn't be 
running a company. So you are the president and CEO of this farm, and you do not need a broker to call an elevator and sell an HTA. You, you don't need a broker for a lot of things. If, if your gut's telling you that the margins are there and you like these levels, do something. Make, make a sale, maybe not a cash sale, maybe an HTA. You have a little more flexibility there. What I know is you don't know what your spring crop price is. So that, that definitely bothered me. Today, we sold December 23. When corn was down 10 cents, there was a very, very large buyer. In December 23, it traded as high as up 8 cents. It traded 530. And if this bull market comes to an end, you mark my words on what is today? 110, 111? We're getting 110, there. 110. Yeah. You come to me on 110, 23 and ask me if these 23 is higher than 530 or lower than 530. And that'll be up to Mother Nature and demand and crude oil and energies and the Green New Deal fertilizer prices. Historically, if your first sale is at 530 in December 23, you're going to have a good year farming. Now, if inputs stay rocket, rocket high, that's different. But we had... I put out a, a an a idea to sell some futures, not not options, sell futures. This is adult swim only margin calls. If we go up, <laughs> there is risk to futures and options. And we did a lot of them today. So I want to say three, four thousand of those traded. And we we did some of those. So you're talking about hedging the 22 crop. And I'm telling you, Delaney, I did 23 today. It's it's all where you are in your marketing cycle. Some people own a boatload of 21, especially in Iowa. They had a great crop. Basis is hot. There's maybe, you know, they're flush with cash in some instances, many instances due to government money and overall higher prices and big bushels. So wherever you are on your spectrum, are, are you focused on 21 crop, 22 crop? Some people are already thinking about 23. So you got to figure is out it, where you're at. early to it, think about 23 crop though. Says who? Says who? No, I'm asking, is it? Oh, God, no, no, <laughs> no. My best marketers are always selling way out there. In a bull market, they look a little silly. In a bear market, they get to buy farm ground really cheap. I'll tell you a little secret. My three best marketers, no thanks to me or advanced trading. These are just skill sets they have on their own. Were so aggressively sold during the bear markets that when their neighbors and friends, I don't want to say went broke. That's probably not the right word. But when they needed to sell a little ground to maybe they farm seven quarters and they need a little cash and they sold one quarter, mm -hmm. you know who bought it? My, my clients who are heavily sold. Now the price of land shoots up and I'm like, how the heck did you accumulate so much land the last five years? You've, this land you bought's doubled. They said, well, when, when it was a bear market for four or five years, we were just massively sold, massively hedged. We were always selling corn 50, 75 cents higher than our neighbors. And they grow hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of bushels of grain. Will that work always? No. In the, in the bull market of last year, they were, they were definitely uh, hedge loss losers where they were aggressively hedged and had some losses. They weren't as heavily hedged as prior years. But when the market just explodes up like it has last year, doing nothing is wonderful. Over history, we tend to be in more, way more bear markets and grains and bull markets. So factually, I can tell you my best hedgers were aggressively hedged and accumulate their best trade they've made in the last 10 years was buying land and they had the capital to buy land because they kept cash flowing. They kept forward selling. Now the front months are higher than the back months. So it makes it look like, well, if corn $6, Tommy, why would I sell 530? Because historically, if you go back to 12, front month corn was eight and the sale of the century was selling the next year or two out, which was six. 
but no one wanted to sell six. They're like, what are you? Yeah. Uh, not so sharp. How far is the elevator going up, Grisafi? Why would I sell six when it's eight this year? And we're in a new bull market. All that was, that did, that's not how it ended. We actually went down to the lower threes. So a $6 sale was phenomenal. In my mind, 530 is something that looks attractive for DS23. So I'm laying off risk for clients if they want to. Again, Delaney, it's their farm. They can do what they want. Yeah. And I overheard you telling someone this once and it's so simple, but it just, especially right now, as you're looking at making 22 or 23 sales, it just takes a lot of the psychology out of it. But I heard you advise one time, hopefully this isn't a trade secret. If it is, I guess we can cut it out. But you said, as soon as you make that first sale, buy a call right away. That takes that psychological barrier off the table for a farmer. You know that if it rallies, on that first contract, you have a way to take advantage of that rally. And I love that philosophy. And, and that's not my philosophy. I can't take credit for that. I work with this this old old guy, Dave Fogel, and he is getting older. But when I started as a broker and he hired me, he said, oh, they made their first sales, get calls on. I'm like, why? We have so much more to sell. So say a farmer is going to sell their grain in fifth increments and they grow 100,000 corn. Their first sale, they sell 20,000 bushels. He goes, get four or five calls on. I'm like, why? It, you know, they're still 75% long. If you don't get the calls on the first sales, you won't get them on the second, third, and fourth. And I witnessed that last year. I saw people who sold beans and they bought calls or call spreads. And they were able to sell the second round of beans. They bought calls, call spreads. By round three and four, they weren't buying calls anymore. But then we cashed out on those calls eventually. And they said, oh, if I wouldn't have bought those calls, I would have never been able to keep selling it the way I did. So we're in a bull market. We're in a commodity bull market. And the best way to make money in a commodity bull market is to own things, ground, grain, everything's went up. Anything that you can touch is went up in price. I don't know many things that have went down. It's definitely not gasoline. So yes, that's not really a trade secret. That's that's just that's just wisdom from old people who have seen bull markets and bear markets. Let's go the opposite of that. So you make your first sale and you buy those calls in in, in the market tanks. Now, then they come back and say, I only have a fifth of my grain sold and I own these calls. What should I have done with the other four fifths? And that's when you have to you have to get some sales on the books. You have to sell some HTAs. And that's when you come in behind the other bunch with a, a batch of puts and you know, everyone thinks us brokers are just trying to sell puts. I promise you, you do not need a broker to buy a put. You could do this on your own. So here's my best free advice. Get a little sold, get a little protected, maybe a lot protected because you don't have the federal crop insurance. When you come in, Delaney, after the end of February, you'll be able to say, wow, the United States government set a heck of a floor for us. We farm in Iowa. We bought 85% crop insurance. We bought a rider policy on it. We got hail. We're going to make $200 an acre guaranteed. You don't have that right now. So if something weird happened the next six weeks, you could say, wow, that was horrible. We were we were 550 D's corn. Now we're 480 minus our basis. We're 450. Those numbers don't work. The numbers can go from working to not working. The thing is, your listeners right now, can do something about it and some will do nothing and the market could keep rallying and they'll say, see, and the others say, I, I just bought some insurance. Really all this is, is the insurance game. I guarantee as you're pulled over on the side of the road right now and people are honking at you and <laughs> probably saying bad things to you, you have insurance on that vehicle because you, you, you're not just going to drive around with everyone having road rage and crazy Karens out there. 
and and you're going to have insurance. So at the six dollar corn and fourteen dollar bean, why wouldn't you buy a little insurance? That's my advice. That and that I think is a good place to end us for today. I know we didn't talk a ton about today's price action, but. You mentioned it earlier, risk off, weather, et cetera. We've got the report this week. But really, I like today that we actually focused a little bit more on the strategy behind 2022 sales and 23 sales and just the psychology of it. Because I feel like we forget to talk about that a lot in market analysis because we're so focused on what's happening right now. I thank you, both you ladies, for your time. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Fantastic. Well, Tommy, thanks again so much. We'll have you on again real soon. Thank you. Thanks again there to Tommy for coming on and chatting markets with us. Although I am really just a listener there, I think it's interesting the way that he views the markets, you know, and looking more into 2022, like Delaney said, they're kind of more of an outlook for the year rather than looking at where markets closed for today and the interactions going on there. But either way, it was a great conversation to be able to tune into. Folks, if you're looking to tune in more to the Ag News Daily podcast and all the great conversations we're having, you can do so at agnewsdaily.com. With that, I'm going to let the people go.